Good morning. I'm going to reserve the reading of the Old Testament lesson until the time of the sermon because I want to read it all to you at that point. Our epistle lesson is recorded in Paul's first letter to Timothy, the second chapter. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, he that is Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. Amen. Grace mercy and peace be on to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A portion of God's word that serves as the basis for our sermon today are those words from the Old Testament lesson. You can take your sheets and follow along if you like. The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might know, make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, 
of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Well, Thanksgiving Day. I'd like you to think about for a moment how many times do you suppose you have, as we just confessed our faith, said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. If you're like I am, I couldn't possibly remember the number of times that I have said those words in any divine service whatsoever. But I'd like to take a look at the meaning this morning. If you would please take your hymnals and turn to page 322 for the meaning of the first article. And let's read that meaning together. Following the words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and Luther said, what does this mean? Ready? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger, guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all that it is my duty to thank and praise serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Now, think about that last phrase. For all which it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. Have you done as well as you could or should? I have to confess that I haven't. You see, we live in a marvelous country, don't we? And we don't have to be concerned about a lot of things, even though during the pandemic there was a lack of a few things that just sent all of us in a tizzy. Luther listed in the meaning what God does provide for us and all the things that he does for us. Here in America, we have a long list of things in this wonderful land in which we live, much like the list of things that I read to you in the Old Testament lesson, do we not? But I'm afraid, much like the children of Israel, and like nine out of those ten lepers, we certainly know how to ask for things, don't we? But how often do we remember to thank him after we've got, been blessed with the things that he's given us? We become much like those people in 1860. There was a day in Evanston, Illinois, when a ship ran aground in Lake Michigan. And there was a young man who was a ministerial student 
who was part of the rescue squad, he went into that frigid water in Lake Michigan and he pulled out a whole group of people. You see, Edward Spencer didn't consider his own life. He was thinking about what he could do for those people. And in so doing, in going in that frigid water, he damaged his health permanently for the rest of his life. The sad thing is, it was noted at his funeral that not one of those 19 people that he helped save on that day ever came and thanked him for what he had done. Isn't that incredible? And yet, you see, we pray regularly, give us this day our daily bread. But what defines us apart from the unbeliever? Luther tells us that in the meaning. God gives daily bread indeed without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to know it and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. But right smack dab in the middle it says he also gives it to all the wicked. And you and I scratch our head and say, why? Because our God is a loving, compassionate God. I had a very sad experience the other day at Costco in regard to this. There was a lady that was getting ready to check out in an aisle next to mine. And one man said to her, it looks like you're going to have a happy family gathering. And he, I looked in her cart, and there was a whole case of vodka. And you know what she said? This will help me get through the holidays. You see, that's how unbelievers live their life. That's how they deal with things. They don't have the kind of loving, compassionate God in their life that they know the way you and I do. And yet we take all these things so well and so much for granted. But what do we do when life is great? When life is great, it's like we're flying high and everything is wonderful and God is in his heavens and all is right. But what happens as soon as the bottom falls out in our life, in our family? I'm afraid too often we say, if not out loud, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? The Lord your God, you see, he told the people, has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. But why did he let all the bottom fall out every once in a while? He says that he would humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Hebrews 12, 8 reminds us, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. And then in verse 11 he says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been reigned on by it. You see, the temptation is when things go well, all of a sudden we feel good about ourselves, don't we? And we start to get high and mighty and have that pride, and we feel like we're a self-made man or woman. And we're doing all right. It's the American way. But that's when God knows that we need to be humbled. Remember what Jesus said about that Pharisee who was up there in the front of the temple? He said, he who exalts himself will be what? Will be humbled. 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what caused William Watkins Reed Sr. to write the hymn, and it's in your hymnal number 788, Forgive us, Lord, for shallow thankfulness, for dull content with warmth and sheltered care, for songs of praise for food and harvest press, while of your rich gifts we're unaware. And you see, that's what that accursed tree was all about, that Jesus was led to. He knew that the whole world needed salvation, and there was no other way. Just stop and think about it for a moment. A month from today, what are we going to celebrate? Christmas, right? And in that manger that we celebrate, we remember there was a tiny baby lying there, wrapped in swaddling clothes. But do we stop to think that the reason that baby was lying in that manger there, wrapped in those swaddling clothes, with that body was so that he could grow up with that body and let it be nailed to the tree of the cross? He understood that there was no other way. No other sacrifice would be sufficient other than God making a sacrifice to God. He had to pay the ransom price, and he knew it for every single person, and it didn't matter whether they were ungrateful or grateful. Those words from the cross remind us of that when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Take a look at the cross through the eyes of faith that I directed the children to this morning, and turn your hearts toward it. And he will change your hearts when you listen to these words from the hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss, and what, and poor contempt on all my pride. See from his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. You see, that's the only thing that can take our hearts of stone and change them into hearts of flesh. That's the only thing that can make us thankful because he did that all for us. And not a single solitary thing did he withhold from us. He shed every ounce of his blood on that cross, even at his side pierced so they could prove it, so that our sins could be forgiven full and free, and the payment was accepted by his Father in heaven. All the things in this world, I don't care whether it's the latest cell phone, the latest TV, smart or dumb, the latest vehicle, house, fashions, hairstyles, money, fame, power, you name it. All those things that we seem to be thankful for today pale in comparison with the one thing that we need to be thankful for. That's what Christians celebrate on Thanksgiving Day. That's why, you know what? I abhor that word, lucky. If you don't know that by now, some of you have heard it in my Bible classes. Yet how often don't we hear people say, boy, was I lucky, or lady luck was sure on my side today, or this was sure my lucky day, or I sure was lucky when I didn't get hit by that car and hurt more than I was. Absolutely not. As people of God, you and I are people who are blessed by everything that the Lord provides for us, everything that we are, everything that we have, 
is a gift from him. He sends his holy angels to watch over us 24-7 to make sure that we are kept in all of our ways. But most importantly, he has given us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, which he gave to us in our baptism. Many of you were right over there at that font. Mine was in a hospital, by the way. And he affirms that every time we come up to this communion rail and receive the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and to strengthen us in our faith. You see, word and sacrament are designed to help us to what? To remember the whole way. Whether it was our memories of the past, he led us there. The memories right now, he's leading us there. And he's going to lead us right into the future. And finally, he will what? He will lead us right into eternity through the very gates of heaven because he holds the keys there. That's what keeps Luther's words ringing in our ears, and they're just as true today as they were back when he wrote them. Not just on Thanksgiving Day, but on every day, every time we breathe a breath, every second, every minute, every hour, every week, every year, for all which it is my duty to thank and praise, to serve and obey him. What? This is most certainly true. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Just one reminder, and that is this Sunday begins the Advent season, if you want to believe it or not. So, we will be having, God willing, midweek services at noon and at 6.30 with supper provided in the evening at 5.15. So keep that in mind in your schedule. The other thing is, it's a busy time. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your church worker. Pray for your organist and pianist, because we're going to just be going like crazy. <laughs> so have a blessed Thanksgiving, all of you, and thank you for being here.